How do you manage nightmare clients? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And honestly, I wanted to call this episode a masterclass in boundary setting. But I sometimes think that with titles like that, people will um, look at the title and be like, oh, I'm good with boundaries, or I've heard everything there is to say about boundaries. But that title about dealing with nightmare clients gets everybody's attention because it's so much easier when it's the other person's fault, right? Like when I'm in it with my husband and I'm snarking at him and I'm so self-righteous that I know my point is right, that's way better than looking at how I participated in the conversation, what I might have been able to say or do differently or where I might have miscommunicated. It's so much easier when the problem isn't us. And we can take that finger and point it at somebody else and say, you, it's your fault. And a lot of times the issue of nightmare clients highlights that yes, sometimes it positively, absolutely is all them. And sometimes positively, absolutely you yourself are a little part of the problem. We teach people how to treat us and we show them by examples of what we tolerate, what we don't tolerate, how we set expectations, how we don't set expectations, and how we fail to uphold our boundaries once they've been set. We teach people how to treat us by our actions and our non-actions and our words and the things we don't say. I want you to think about that as I read today's listener letter. Here it goes. Hi, Heather. I need help with direction. I'm the executive assistant. Uh, I'm the ex- let me start that one over. I'm the executive assistant for a manager for a large hotel chain. I love the various tasks of my job: organizing, problem solving, planning ahead, and communication with all of the moving parts of our system. There's a cool energy about it that I really like. My boss is tough. She's short on praise and high on expectations. Working for her has been stressing me out. She embarrasses me and belittles me when I make a mistake. She calls out my mistakes to other people to cover her own missteps, and she expects a rapid response to her communications. I started looking for another job, and in that search, I found a virtual assistant agency and learned about that. It was my first introduction to the idea that I could work for myself. All I had to do was put my interest in doing so on Facebook, and suddenly I had two clients that I was doing behind-the-scenes stuff for. However, the same kind of things keep happening. I feel talked down to, undervalued, and that the expectations of me and my work are absurd. I don't know if it's the industry I'm in that people just think they can treat support staff this way or if I'm somehow bringing this all upon myself. These days, I've been thinking of just quitting and going into hotel reception or something. I'm good at what I do. I like being a backstage player so others shine in the spotlight. That sincerely brings me joy, but I'm not looking to be made to feel like a second-class citizen. Okay, well, first of all, (laughs) if you're looking to be treated better, I wouldn't go into hotel reception because I have seen people be really entitled and really rude to the other person on the side of the counter on that argument too. Um, But I get what you're saying, that when you're constantly in that support role, when you're constantly, you know, sort of the backup singer for the star and your job is to make the other person look better, you sometimes feel like you've 
been stepped on, almost like they're standing on your shoulders so that they can get closer to that spotlight. I I get it, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And I absolutely think your boss is being disrespectful to you. I want to make that clear. I also think that in the VA world clients, there's a lot of room for this idea that um, VAs should be doing everything. I got a ton of pushback a while back when I started um, having a commentary about VAs who charge too much. So I, I had a lot of engagement with VAs on this topic. And so I know that people are often feeling undervalued and taken for granted in these roles. But here's the thing. We can't control how people view us. We can't, we have absolutely no say in what other people think we deserve or how we should be treated. Um, It just, it doesn't work that way. The only way we have any control over this is if we decide how we're going to be treated. If we decide that we are going to expect more, ask for more, and communicate clearly around those expectations, and then when those expectations are crossed and those lines are crossed, that we stand up and say something. So often, there's a pattern of behavior where someone's belittling us, stepping on us, skipping over us, interrupting us, and it happens because we've never said anything else, so it becomes almost this habitual way that people move through the world around us. They just sort of expect that we're not going to say anything or they're going to expect that they can put a pile of work on us and we're not going to raise our voice and say, hey, that's not fair and move along. And then what ends up happening is we feel like crap. But the other thing that sometimes happens is the other person sometimes has absolutely no idea that they're being jerks. They have no idea that they're being disrespectful because they're in a rush. They're in their own head. They're shouting out a direction. They're, you know, answering an email curtly. They're moving on to the next thing and they have no idea how they're pursuing received. One of the things that when I work with people around this issue, because I do think this is a number one issue that holds people back in their work and holds people from in the corporate world and in the nine to five land, getting promoted, choosing leadership jobs and people flourishing in their own businesses is, you know, an avoidance of those whole hard conversations. And one of the things I would say to you is what is your response at work when your boss talks to you that way? Or when your boss sort of uses you as a cover for her own inadequacy. Do you say something? Do you swallow it? Do you ask her to reconsider? Do you tell her your point of view? And oftentimes, if you have found that either you tried and it didn't work, or you didn't think you had a place in doing so, then it contributes to the pattern of behavior. One of the things that I think happens a lot of times in these situations is people assume that you have to go into this conversation with a real sort of conflict and confrontational perspective and aim and desire. I don't think you have to start confrontational. Like, I don't think you have to start expecting a fight or leading a fight. I wonder what happens is if you simply reflect to your boss and to say, hey, I know you're busy and you might not have listened to the way you just talked to me, but like, I, I, and I don't know if you realize that you do this, but sometimes the tone you use is really disrespectful. 
I was wondering if, you know, perhaps you could just be more aware of me going forward. Something as simple as that. And if the boss says, well, oh, I don't know what you're talking about and I never done this or you need a thicker skin for business or, you know, undermines it and blows it off. All you have to do is say, well, like I said, it felt disrespectful to me. I don't like being spoken to that way. And I was just asking if you could be more mindful in the future. You don't have to get in a debate. You don't have to have a hard conversation around it. The other thing, and I think this is really important. And when I had a second in command role, I remember this time I was like the assistant to the head of the program and, um, you know, like kind of like an assistant principal, but it was like assistant program director type thing. And I remember like this 20 minute span of time where my boss sent me an email and then he sent me another email and then he sent me another email. And it wasn't like, you know, urgency following on the first thing. It was like, do this. And then a second email is do that. And then the third was do that too. And I nearly lost my mind. Um, I probably did lose my mind. So I just took a deep breath and I knocked on the door and I said, Hey, like, I know you're really busy. I know you're trying to get things off your list. I'm actually trying to get things off my list too. It's Friday for both of us. If you have a list of things for me to do, it would be really helpful if you could just wait until you do all the things you need to do so you can make your own list of the things you need my help for or my response to so that I can follow up in a single email, it's really intrusive to have my inbox suddenly have seven different emails with seven different things to do. And I never had to say it again. That's the way it was done. He totally disagreed with me. He thought I was being, I don't know what he said. He made some, some sort of fun of me, but like he went ahead and did it. I think sometimes when we need people to treat us differently or do their jobs differently so that we can set ourselves up for success, sometimes we just need to say so. You know, I just had a meeting with um, my accountant um, and financial person uh, the other night and his assistant is on maternity leave and he is telling us how he feels like his life has fallen apart because he just like, you know, put something on her desk and she takes care of it. And I said, is she really rigid with you? And he said, oh yeah, she has a system for everything. This kind of request has to go in this box. This kind of thing has to go in that box. So she's, she's, one, she's dynamic and amazing at her job and she saved my hide with paperwork on more than one occasion. But she's also clearly told him what she needs from him in order to set them both up for success. And if that kind of conversation has not happened with you and your boss, if you have not talked to your boss about how you're spoken to, how you would like to be spoken to, what would feel more comfortable, then I don't know that you've really done everything you can there. That being said, this woman has shown you, I think you said woman um, for your boss, um, who she is, right? Um, she's showing you how she treats people in her position, you may decide after self-evaluation that you really don't have an interest in having that conversation, that you have simply decided for yourself that you don't want to work for her and you don't want to save that job. That's totally fine. That has happened to me on multiple occasions where I just like someone, you know, in their authentic space has highlighted themselves to be who they are. And I have a quick thanks, but no thanks and move on. But I just, 
just wanted to highlight in case this isn't a job you want to leave or in case this is a job you feel like you need to stay at a little bit longer while you figure out your next steps, that's a way to do it that doesn't, you know, you know, wreck everything. It's not a wrecking ball. It might make you feel like you're going to throw up a little. It's, you know, it's nerve wracking. It's vulnerable to put yourself out there. But it's so much better to sit in a room and say, hey, I will do this job so much better. I will set us both up for success if you could just do A, B, and C differently. And then in those moments when she either, you know, um, highlights your mistakes and makes you feel bad or, you know, uses you as an excuse, I think it's fine to reflect and say, yes, I recognize I made a mistake. I already apologized. Was there something else you needed to hear from me? Like to not, to not even go there, like to not even have the conversation to say, yes, I acknowledge my mistake. Yes, I've, you know, tried to rectify it. Did I miss something? Because then you're challenging her for bringing it up again. And then the same thing goes true for when she, you know, makes you feel like it's your fault when she makes a mistake and say, oh, I'm not sure how you got the impression that this was, you know, an error on my part. This is what I did. This is how I communicated it. These are the steps I took. What did I miss here? Because I would really like to learn. That way you're kind of calling her out for blaming you when you know clearly that it's not your responsibility. And if there was something she wanted you to do differently, you can have that conversation. I totally understand why your experience with corporate is now interfering with your ability to think about what you want to do with an online business, particularly if you just went on Facebook and said, hey, I can do this and you pick up two jobs. The first thing I'm going to ask you um, is when you went on Facebook, did your friends hire you? Because I have to tell you, it gets messy when friends work with friends. You have to be crystal clear and expectations because I do think people um, muddy the waters when they're working with friends. And if that's like your first sort of foot in the water, toe in the water in business experience, you have made it messy before you've even started. But regardless if you're working with a friend or a new client, the gut check you need to do here is on your expectations of your client and how well you communicated them, how well you communicated the things you do, the way you work, how you charge, because I find in the online space, people are really loosey-goosey about this stuff. Nobody starts talking about writing it down until there's a conflict or a problem. So I want you to look at the work contract. I'm assuming in that that you have a work contract, but I want you to think about how you started these interactions. I want you to think about how this could be a learning lesson for you. How you could say, going forward, what do I need to put in writing? What are the expectations I need to clearly outline? What do I need to see a digital signature on? How do I expect people to talk to me? All of that can be written out. I just had somebody who I'm working with, she sent me a video of her contract basically saying, hey, we're going to be working together. I want you to know that this is how I work. This is what I expect. This is how I do it. And then she had me digitally sign it at the bottom. So there's all kinds of ways to have this conversation, but you have to have the conversation. And so often what happens to people who are just starting out is they have no idea what their expectations are because they've never done it. They have no idea what their job description is because they've never done it. That's how they end up with nightmare clients because people who are nickeling 
and diming are going to look for the holes and they are going to jump on them and they're going to take you for everything you've got. So part of understanding nightmare clients is knowing you will get another nightmare client, but if you play your cards right, you won't get a nightmare client like that <laughs> because you won't make that mistake. However someone's treating you or however somebody's skating around your policy, you will figure it out. You will adjust your expectations. You will change your written contract and and it'll never happen again. I can't tell you in my brick and mortar how often I had to change my cancellation policy because of people who would needle around it, find the like the loose hole and, you know, figure out a way to not pay me for time that they scheduled me, you know, in. It happens all the time. Some of it is human nature. Some of it is just people, you know, like I said earlier, you know, have different values, but it doesn't really matter. They can try. It's on you to decide how you're going to manage it. So for example, one of the things that I, I don't like doing in my business is payment plans. I like payment at the time of service. I like assuming that somebody who's choosing to hire me has already decided that they can invest that money and they don't need the payment plan structure because I don't like the contracts and the chasing of the tail and the going round and round saying, hey, you know, like you were supposed to pay me for the second round of services and you haven't yet. So it's really in my, you know, in my contract with people like I don't do payment plans. You can pay me now or you can schedule when you're ready to pay. But I have that in writing. And I learned that one the hard way because I, when I raised my rates in the brick and mortar business, some people couldn't afford it. And they said, can I pay, you know, if I see you every other week, can I just pay you installments half now and then half next week? So I'm paying you a little bit each week. And I said, yes. And I was constantly chasing the tail. I was constantly having to keep track of my records and I didn't want to spend my time doing that. So I changed my policy accordingly. You get to decide what's working for you. So another example, it's so funny. It's another brick and mortar example. I learned so much about what not to do in business, but from my first business, which, you know, probably is obvious, right? Um, but I would have people who would cancel appointments with me over text message or would try to reschedule with me over text message. But the thing about text messages is you can't check whether or not they've been read or unread. So I would see the message. I would be busy, but then I wouldn't remember to go back to it. And my schedule was a nightmare of missed appointments and people who told me that they needed to see me. And then I forgot, etc. Etc. So I said, like, I will not communicate with my clients via text message. You need to either call me on the phone and leave a voicemail or send me an email. And I had so many people continue to text message me, regardless of what I said. So finally, I decided I've let everybody know. I've told people in person. I've told them like in our forms of communication, please don't text message me. I had somebody cancel an appointment and reschedule or something like that. And I, in a text message, and I, I basically did not respond. I rescheduled her hour. I had another client in my office at her time. So she showed up and she said, hi, I was looking to meet with you. And I said, well, you scheduled with me via text message. I let you know that that is no longer a form of communication. So I didn't respond and you're free to go. And everybody was awkward, including myself. Everyone was uncomfortable, including myself. But that doesn't change. Like if I'm engaging with her and saying for the umpteenth time,
time. Oh, by the way, I don't use text messaging in my business. Oh, by the way, if you could please not text, she's still not respecting my boundary every single freaking time she does it. She had to sit in the natural consequence of breaking that boundary. And so often business owners are so afraid of handing natural consequences to people who break their boundaries. They try to find excuses. They try to go around. And it's the same thing in our personal lives, right? We do this all the time. Someone's rude to us. Someone hurts our feelings. Someone's embarrassed. We try to convince ourselves what we could have said differently, why we're making a big deal out of nothing, simply to avoid the hard conversation. But as a business owner, this is a critical time for you if you're going to go forward. I completely disagree with you if you're going to end up being hotel reception. First of all, I think you'll be leaving an important skill set of yours outside um, and checking it at the door. And I think you'll miss using it at some point in time. I just got an automatic check-in for a hotel stay I have this weekend. Like they don't even want me to see a person anymore. They just want me to do it through the computer. Thanks. You don't want that job. That's going to be a downgrade for you. You have, you know, helped managers of hotel chains. You are capable of more. You are, um, you know, you're driven for more and you're interested in more and you have a passion for more. So don't downgrade yourself just because you don't like how people treat you. Change the way people treat you by changing the way you interact with them. This is such a golden time for you. You get to decide the exact kind of clients you want, the exact way you expect to be paid, how you expect services to be delivered, how you intend to communicate with your clients, how you expect clients to communicate with you back. Sure, you've had nightmare clients, but you haven't known how to do this part. But now if you do this part, you are going to be setting yourself up for massive success going forward. You will be crystal clear on who who you want to help, how you want to help, and what you will do to help them, beginning, middle, and end. And when they go left or right of center, when they go against the disagreement, uh, when they go against the agreement, you will have a foundation to start that conversation from. To say, hey, remember when we, I, when you and I came up with this agreement and you hired me for this task, I let you know that I was estimating about three hours to do it. It was going to involve A, B, and C. One of the things I did not account for is that you hadn't had your software set up, so I needed to set your software up first. That required an additional hour, and that's what you'll see on the bill. And if that ends up getting challenged or questioned, you will hopefully have a spot in your contract that says contracting for, you know, work. Um, made at this flat rate, additional work or unexpected charges will be charged at a rate of XYZ. You get to outline how you want to work with people. And if you introduce your clients to it, this is what sets me up for success. This is the way I work that sets your business up to shine and sets me up to be most efficient and most productive for you. Then you can ask them, does this sound like something that can work for you? So, for example, the architect that we have at our house um, constantly is sending us questionnaires um, because that's how they like to get to know us. And it's so funny to me because, of course, like people who draw a lot of straight lines and do everything to the inch and to the measurement, they're going to want it in a questionnaire. I'm always like, don't they just want to have a conversation with us? I can give this information to them so much faster. But I know that they have a very systematized way of doing it. 
So I, it forces me to think differently because some of their questions are so black and white. And I want to like, of course, you know, <laughs> with my last name being Gray, I want to find <laughs> the middle. But it's the way they work and they've been dynamite. But I have to change the way I work to set them up for success. But I got an email that said so and I had to digitally sign it. I was also told a, like a deadline of when I needed to make, not just me, my husband too, but like when I needed to make each decision by, when the fixtures need to be decided upon, when the appliances need to be decided upon, when the cabinets, blah, 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 so that they can deliver as expected. They're never going to be able to say, <laughs> we didn't do our job if I'm, you know, taking too long to make a decision because it's crystal clear when I need to make those decisions by equally, it's crystal clear when they need to get paid by at each step of the process and like week six, week, whatever, week, whatever, and it's dated and signed. And we, you know, we're expected to know it. And they said, right in the, in that paperwork, we will not send a bill. We expect you to maintain this schedule, blah, 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 blah. But they told us how we wanted, you know, they wanted us to work with. Some of it feels burden some at times. Some of it feels like I don't always, um, it's not my language sometimes that they speak because it's so like, you know, structural engineering type stuff. But like, I, I can tell things are getting done. So I'm willing to work that way because I'm getting the results I want. But they were crystal clear at the get go. They're not social scientists. <laughs> so they're not going to do it the way I would do it, which is probably good. I think I'll have a structurally sound house and it'll pass inspection on all levels and it'll be great. But we needed to come up with an agreement on how that work was going to happen because it's going to take about a year to a year and a half from, you know, soup to nuts and start to finish. That's what I want you to be unafraid to do, to just know your worth, to know what you're bringing to the table to know who you are, what you do and how you serve and what you need to be set up for success and also to demand respect, to say, I really don't like the way you just talked to me. That doesn't feel good. Um, I was on a group call um, sometime like right when I started in my online journey and I can't even remember the context of it, but like I know that like somebody crossed a line and it felt kind of rude to me um, and I let it go because I was like, oh, it's a group call. I don't want to have a fight in front of other people, this, that, and the other thing. So then when I went back to the person and said, I really don't understand what like caused this, you know, moment of tension, but I'd really like to go back to it. She sort of said like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, oh, okay. Like you might not have been aware, but this is the tone. This is how I interpreted it. I just need you to know, like going forward, like, can you just please be aware? And that's how I handled it. I didn't have to handle it live on the call. She completely denied, you know, my sort of understanding of the problem, but still I said something. So the other part to that and the lesson in that is you can always go back. You can always sort of like if you have a moment that's still sticking in your craw that you're still kind of bugged about, you can go back and say, hey, like I know like I'm making a big deal out of something now that happened two weeks ago and you might not even remember, but I'm having a tough time moving forward. And would you mind taking five minutes to talk about a meeting we had three weeks ago? As long as you introduce it and you say like, I know this should be water under the bridge, but I feel like if we don't pull it out now, we're going to be talking about it again in six weeks. You can set your 
yourself up for better success going forward. The real overall message here is you got to be in the driver's seat of your business. You got to be in the driver's seat of your life. You get to decide where this is going. You get to direct the passengers. It's your business. You get to say yes. You get to decide right turn, left turn. And when people are new, they, they're so anxious for money and they go into this scarcity mindset and they're willing to take any kind of job doing any kind of thing and they don't want to charge as much because they just need money and they'll worry about raising prices later. But that sets you up for a really, really shaky foundation. You have a really good opportunity in front of you to write this ship, to set the tone for how you want to be treated how you want to work and what you want your business to look like. I I think you're really in a good place. And I think that this is largely entirely in your control. I absolutely love this question. I'm so glad that you took a chance on me and reached out and brought it up to me. And I hope I I hope my answer helped. I I see now I'm looking at the time and I'm like, wow, I gave a really long-winded response. So hopefully there's some value here and I didn't go off on too many tangents. But it always comes down to you. We can't control how other people treat us. We can only control our response to them. So carry that with you in your pocket today. And let me know, too, how it turns out. Um, And also, too, just send me any links to your business or whatever. I always have people who are looking for VAs and stuff. I'd be happy to have your back with that as well. Thanks for joining me today. I'm going to be taking a little bit of a podcasting break tomorrow. I am heading out of town for a long weekend. I am hoping to be back uh, in your earbuds on Monday if I can get my scheduling all set and find the time for that. So hopefully you'll hear me on Monday, if not by Tuesday the latest. Thanks so much for having these conversations with me. I am stupid, stupid proud of the show we're having and the conversations we're having and the talks we're having. This is just the light of my life right now. So thanks so much for being in it with me and I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.